And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 26 of PNR's This Old Marketing. I'm actually coming to you from the blistering hot and dry Los Angeles, California on Monday, May 12th of 2014. And in celebration of my beloved partner, Joe Polizzi's birthday, won't you give him a great belated birthday gift and give us a review on iTunes? How's that for a guilt trip? (laughs) (laughs) And we hope you'll consider subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher or, you know, just popping by our own little heaping steaming bowl of digital oatmeal goodness, thisoldmarketing.com, where you can also find the show notes and general stuff we talk about here. And also, as I just mentioned, and once again, coming from Cleveland, Ohio, where it's raining cats and dogs, I can hear it in the background. Can you hear it in the background? I can. My good, good friend, Joe Polizzi, the birthday boy of content marketing. Hello, Joe. How are you? you. And happy birthday. Thank you for the warm wishes. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit like uh, Dorothy (laughs) here. We've got uh, tornado warnings and... It, I, I mean, it's completely dark out. It's not supposed to be by now, but uh, it's it's wet, and um, wow. it's, we'll see. Right. So if I go off halfway through this, um, either I lost internet connection or I'm I don't know. I'm floating above the city of Cleveland. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how this goes. And, you know, just to follow up on last week, your boy, you guys got the quarterback, Johnny Football, you know, now going to wear a Browns uniform. I thought for sure it was going to be Dallas Cowboys, as you and I were texting I, during Everybody the, thought, yeah. Uh, <laughs> did you hear that, that in the first 30 minutes after he was drafted, they sold 2,000 season tickets? I, I, I don't. I, I, it's, I think that's Yes, Do you believe I, that? I believe and, that. Well, I believe here's that. The, here's the stat that. that I couldn't believe. I just read this. He, there were the the day after the draft, there were more Manziel jerseys ordered than Luck, Griffin, and Tebow combined. The day after, oh their sure, draft. he's Johnny Football. But I mean, I mean it's but you're be talking huge. Andrew Luck and RG three. I mean, you're talking some big names. That was a big draft. Now it's going to be. It's. I mean, it was a big draft, and and we'll see how he does. But I, I, he's his celebrity is is you know is is huge compared to yeah. The and other somebody guys. immediately went out and took JohnnyCleveland.com and is populating it with content already. So hats <laughs> off to that entrepreneur. <laughs> content marketing at <laughs> yeah, its finest. There it. we go. <laughs> Moving on to the news. Right. Um, well, the, I guess the biggest news in marketing all week came out on Friday, actually. Um, and it was the fact, I mean, it's not really content marketing news, but the two largest uh, Omnicom and publicists were going to create the world's largest uh, holding company for ad agencies. And for the last year, really, they have been threatening to merge together and create the world's largest holding company. And Friday they announced it ain't going to happen. They're going to, they, the egos couldn't fit through the door. The arc wasn't big enough that just, it's not going to happen. Did you, uh, did you see that? I did. Well, I heard about, you know, I saw it on Facebook going by and uh, it, I can't tell you that anybody shed a tear over this, did they? <laughs> no, I can't see anybody <laughs> shedding any tears over this at all, except for maybe Wall Street in some weird well, way. I mean, let me, let me get your take because you, you've been around the bigger agencies more than I have. It, is What's the benefit to having the largest agency on the planet? I mean, don't isn't it better today to have more agile, you know, and I know it's a holding company. So I know there's yeah. like hundreds of agencies underneath here, but I I guess I from the start I just didn't get it other than the fact that you and I, you talked you and I talked about this before. There's sort of a Wall Street play here. 
Yeah. But other than that, I don't see it. I mean, did you did you think that there was something? I didn't see a lot of clients come out and say, this is the greatest thing ever. Well, no, of course they're not. I mean, and in fact, I think many of the clients, especially those that had, you know, that, that were, you know, going to all of a sudden have the same holding company, you know. So, for example, you know, Coke and Pepsi were under, were going to be under the giant company, the Omnicom publicist company. And so one of them theoretically was going to have to go. And, and even more interestingly, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and uh, uh, Veri- uh, Verizon Sprint, T-Mobile, and AT&T all under Omnicom and publicist. So you got to figure one of them was going to have to go. So I think mm-hmm. if anybody's crying, it's maybe the WPP folks who were hoping that, you know, they were going to be able to put up a PowerPoint slide to say, you know, hey, how 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 thick is that wall in your agency? You know, so you better you better think about leaving them. So I think there's a lot of RFPs that didn't go out based on this. And other than that, I don't think there's going to be. A, I think it's much ado about nothing. Although I, I think the 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 you know it's really just the you know beginning of the end of the beginning or the end of the beginning of the end or however you want to phrase it but basically publicist is not going to stop here i mean they they really wanted this to happen and so interpublic havas these other groups that are out there one of them is going to get bought by publicist they're not going to be satisfied until they're the biggest oh that's that's wonderful for them yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah right exactly and that's and that's all i got to say about and, uh, that that's all i got to say about that that's, let's uh, go on to the next it, topic absolutely please do okay yeah. well google um interesting article came out from christopher penn uh i think it was last week or maybe even the week before but it's been snapped up by a couple of other pr folks namely sarah scarrick over at pr newswire talking basically the headline is that google validates that pr is seo and okay, let's hold on to hold on to our horses here. So, Christopher, who's a really smart guy, goes on to basically explain how the new Google patent, uh, the Panda patent application, I haven't actually gotten it yet, but it's a patent application, basically goes through. And I'll go through it in just a second. I want to get your take, Joe, here. But but the, the what they basically talk about is how they look at uh, implied and expressed links and. Uh, somehow determine that basically brand mentions, anytime you get mentioned out on the on the web, it's ostensibly a check in your favor, and therefore PR equals SEO equals goodness. Did you, I mean, did you see this? Did you have a take on this? Well, this is, of all the articles you sent me, I spent the most time on this. First of all, I actually went into the patent, which is yeah. incredibly boring. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> and they've got, yeah. pu- I mean, but if you're interested, you know, we'll put it in the show notes. We've, they sure. got pictures of everything about how they break down search from that way. It's fascinating to me. I mean, I was just, it was interesting that they actually filed a patent for Panda and, and going through this process. So that's the one thing that I took from it. I, so I was struggling and I was, and I got what he was saying. It's right. So you get more mentions, right. it's better search engine juice. But I didn't buy it. I'm not buying it. And then I, you know, I'm going through and I'm reading through. There's a lot, quite a few comments on here as well. And basically, the the comments were generally, "There's no way that Google means what this is, is saying." Headline that, that says, yeah, right. that it's not. It's not true. They're not saying that if somebody mentions you, they're going to link it up and give you, you know, Google juice back to your brand or whatever page. And that's just not happening. I guess my my take, my question is for you: Did you read anything into this, or is this just making just too much out of something? I think it's a little bit of the latter. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, because first of all, it, it feels like a little tea leaf reading here, right? So, you know, the obscurity of what was said in the patent, which I think is purposely done, 
and the interpretation, it seems to be that an implied link, and they make a big deal out of this, an implied link, ostensibly a mention of your brand name, affects your search rankings. So then I went, I actually didn't go through much the patent. I actually went over to Moz, um, formerly known as SEO Moz, and Simon Pension over there actually goes through it in a little more detail and actually links out to a couple of other SEO guys who, who go through it in some detail. He concludes that there's a couple of different aspects to this where he says, first of all, the first thing that the patent mentions are searches themselves being indicators. In other words, phrased as indicators and and. For, for example, if I search for content marketing, that is itself a, a, an indicator of a phrase, and then you can start using that as a, as a beacon for, for popularity. Yeah. And so that's the first part of it. Um, and then he goes into things that are what they call implied links, where mentions of something uh, that aren't necessarily hyperlinked, but are actually just mentioned as keywords. And, fr- and this is where Christopher gets to ostensibly more mentions of your brand or more mentions of a particular phrase equal search engine goodness. And I don't think, because he calls that out separately, and I don't think those things can be separated from one another. I think this is Google's way of saying, look, we can look at what people search for, and we can look for what, where that phrase appears all over the web as some indicator of authority. And so as Moz says in their post, what they're trying to do is clear up the weight of linking more generally, right? So looking at quality of linking rather than just linking, hyperlinking, you know, willy-nilly, you know, with that whole, well, we've got to have four hyperlinks on this page to have SEO juice. So I'm not quite sure I get to the conclusion that Christopher gets to and that some of the others have gotten to where PR equals SEO, but it does seem to imply that more mentions of a brand equals more authority and maybe better SEO. So in other words, yeah, if, if you're looking for more branded search goodness, then this might be a good thing. But otherwise, I don't even know how you would optimize against this, right? I don't even know what you could do to optimize... Uh, a, you know, trying to pr- put a particular phrase out there, unless it was some sort of branded phrase, that's going to make any difference at all. Well, the first thing I thought was, well, yeah, first, I don't know the value here. Like, I don't know what we tell the people listening to this. You know, what do you do now with this? The, the one thing that I thought was, this is a really good case for research. If this, well, if the this, Moz, and Moz says they're going to do it. Moz says they're actually going to try and do it. To, to do what? To do the research, they're actually oh going to, to try find to, it out. Oh, they're actually going to test. They're going to test some of the theories out. No, what now I the, what no the, the yeah. I mean so that's great. But what I was mentioning with the research is if this is true, then it makes a really because because you know I mean Content Marketing Institute marketing for us we've been doing research for five years on content marketing. Oh right, a lot yeah. of people never link out to us. They always say this. Content Marketing Institute and Marketing Profs say, according to the research by Content Marketing right, Institute, right, that's right. all the time. We're not necessarily linked out to. So you'd say, hey. In that case, that makes an even better proposition to do a research project with some credibility and thought leadership around it because people talk about that. That's, That's right. Not, uh, r- r- rather than like you and I, you or I doing a story on you know content marketing strategy, we would get many more mentions from an actual research project. You would think as long as it makes sense. And that's the thing that I thought of, but then I was going through and I'm like, does an implied link mean that it's a non-linked URL? And I, I don't know. My take is, you know, you, you can't figure out Google. And once you start chasing Google, they change the rules anyways on you. That's right. So, and, and, <laughs> and, and the well, the overriding headline here is just because they file a patent on it doesn't mean they use it. 
Well, just you be, know, as and, well as we learned from the patent guy last week about the podcasting, just because you have a patent on anything doesn't mean you do anything with it. That's <laughs> or exactly that, right. So it, it means really no nothing. If, right. We have no idea if Google has or has not turned this on, or even has any plans to turn it on. And so I think. Look, I think, as you've said, trying to outsmart Google is not a good strategy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just not. And so I think I, you know, if, I'm, if I'm giving any takeaways out of this, it's let's just focus on the broader issues here of trying to figure out good content marketing strategy yep. and let the SEO kind of work itself out. Well, I've been, and, and the other thing with just, I mean, I'm a big believer, and we have a, you know, Mike Murray's our social um, search engine optimization guy on our team. He's great. But what we do is we have an editorial calendar, and, of course, we have a rolling list of about 50 keywords that we target. What Mike is really looking at is to optimize that content that we were doing based on the needs of our readership. So we're going after that. Then then we're seeing it and how it's playing into Google, and then we're optimizing it. Like the one thing that I never realized is we had so many competing – URLs against each other for the for the same term. Well, that's something that you can fix. And right. you know, if you have a really good SEO person as we do. So that kind of stuff I really like cuz that's all about optimization and helping Google find the content that you already have out there. But this that's, is wow. Th- that was a big thunderclap, oh, my friend. Holy smokes. Yeah. Here I go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, getting out. awfully getting awfully dark <laughs> in my little podcast room here. Oh so. my goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe let's move you on to what? the next story. Google, Google, see, Google, th- that's how powerful Google is. Yeah. You, yeah I was talking smack about Google, <laughs> and there comes the thunder and lightning. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, then let's definitely move let's on. Let's move on, please. Scott Brinker, our friend Scott Brinker, Chief Martech, um, he came out with a blog post. Some might call it a novel, <laughs> yes. but um, it took the form of a blog post, although it was very, very long. Scott, very, very long post. Um, he's betting his whole company on what he calls marketing apps, marketing experiences. So this is uh, Scott Brinker. He's, uh, he's a blog, Chief Martech. His company, Ion Interactive, is completely pivoting and going into, from consulting really, into marketing apps, basically a software development company. And he calls it the fourth wave of content marketing where marketing experiences, uh, digital experiences, I guess, really focused, um, will be where they want to focus in terms of creating applications for companies to really drive marketing content experiences. So I guess a little bit, uh, it reminded me a little bit of what Snap App uh, Mm -hmm. does today uh, with their marketing apps. Um, I don't know. What did you take about this? Well, first of all, if anyone's going to read this, you need to set aside about 45 minutes. Because <laughs> yeah. it, and it's by, good. And by the way, and he's, good. A, he's a good, really, really good writer. Good. But there's a some, really good writer. Well, there's, some te- there's some, it's a little bit of a technical nature to it, but he writes yeah. out in really good uh, plain English, I would say. But Now, I don't disagree with him. I think there is an opportunity for marketing apps, and we've been seeing that. And I guess it's almost along the line of you know Jay Bear's utility, yep. taking it to the next step. Right? We're talking about quizzes and research, and and a lot. I guess think about the some of the educational classes that are coming online, where they kind of take you through it in visual format, and they let you experience it instead of just reading it. Right. Right. That's exactly right. I well, I think there's an opportunity for this, but. I, I guess where I I don't know if Scott's over. By the way, Scott's a good friend of the show. He's a, speaking of content marketing yep. world. We love Scott, but I don't know if he's overstating it 
quite that this is such going to be a phenomenon of the marketing app <laughs> and we're all going to do marketing apps. I do have a question on it, but I wanted to get your take because you were first to read this. You were first to comment on it, actually. So I wanted to get your take on it as well. Well, first of all, kudos to him for doing and yeah. having the guts to pivot and do something different, right? So uh, first of all, you know, we often talk about telling a different story and he's clearly trying and attempting to tell a different yes. story. And so first of all, kudos for that because that's just gutsy. Um, I agree with you. I don't think marketing apps are going to be the overwhelming phenomenon, uh, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm not bullish on apps, generally speaking, um, especially where it comes to being closed off and, and that sort of thing. Um, I do think there are there is something in marketing and content experiences that can be delivered via apps that are that is an interesting piece of what we do. And so as a software company, it's all going to be in the productions, right? It's all, you know, so what he's really becoming is a production house and creating content productions that are applications that theoretically can be reused by other companies. And he's basically becoming this sort of app production house um, that hopefully can, can scale over time. So I like the idea and yeah. I give him credit for doing it. It'll be interesting to see how it actually all plays out. Yeah, I mean, I could see oh, okay, how are we going to tell this story? Or how are we going to take a buyer from point A to point B? We'd normally have done it through a white paper or an e-book and put a gate in front of it, but maybe now there'll be this, we'll appify it in some way. My qu- and this is, here's, here's what I was thinking yeah. about. Paper share, is, paper share is trying to do ex- something similar here. Exactly. Yeah. A lot, yeah, a lot of people are in this space now. But my, yeah. here, the, the big, and he goes through kind of why the marketing app thing. And he goes, no need for users to install anything. Now I'm thinking about that. And right now, if I wanted to install an app of any kind, uh, well, there, I guess, I guess I have to be, think. I have to think outside the app box because he's he says it's like an app, like on your smart, smartphone, but it could also be on a web page, right? You don't right. have to you don't have to do anything. You don't necessarily have to go through any sign up process to get this. And I guess that's where I was almost like, well, if I want an app on my phone, I've got to go download it or do something in some way. Or is there in the future? Am I just going to wave my hand? And, or just think about it, and it's going to be there. Well, no, it's 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 what he's what he's getting at is is that you can do a lot through HTML5 without access. Got it. So that's what. So I thought. there's a there's a concept, you know, this hybrid app web experience, and there are companies out there even just doing that. Right? There's a couple. Uh, one that's coming to mind. It's got a very silly name, but very smart people running it. A company called PugPig, uh, out of London. Very very smart guy running that, um, and. The basically they are hybrid apps where they are all HTML5 driven, so they are mobile ready, tablet ready, web ready, really, and they behave and look like applications, but they're actually just you know HTML at the end of the day. So you can do everything you can do with an app. Now the key is is that you are they are experiences in and of themselves, um, but they are so I think. He's talking about, like you just said, within this experience, you can do, yeah. you know, X or Y or take a buyer through, you know, some sort so of. So it journey. really, yeah, it really is. A, I mean, when you say Snap App, that's exactly what Snap App does. Yeah, it's so. exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, so I think, you know, that that will be their their main competition, I suspect. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. do you think it's a, I mean, just curious. Do you think it's a good move for, for him and his company? I, I think it's, well, you know, look, 
I don't know the answer to that. I you know because it really is the difference between being you know there are, look there are a lot of services companies right now agencies that are building products right. We know this. We see this every day. We get briefed you know at least once a week by a service an agency. A lot of the companies now started out as agencies. You know even the Skywards and the Caposts and the you know those kind of companies of the world them started out in their very early days as services companies and have developed very strong product offerings out of it. So it's not an unfamiliar model, but it's one that is fraught with differences that if you don't understand them, you know, end things in an ugly way. Um, so I, I, like I said, I, I really like the idea and I admire the guts of doing it because it is a complete pivot. And if he can make it work, you know, uh, more power to him because I think it's, I think it'll be interesting. I think the one thing, and, and just want all the listeners to, to know this, it's probably worth going through the first part of this, even if you don't want to get to the apps part, because he makes a really solid case for what's going on with technology disruption. It's That's just, right. it's That's a really right. good story. He puts it out very simpler. I mean, you, you and I have talked about it in multiple blog posts about this, but he does it in a really unique way. So if you're really trying to get a take for, you know, why are we headed in this direction and even having this conversation, he goes I guess through I will. I guess I will, you know, on a selfish note, I guess I'll miss that because he, he is a, he is a, a great voice for that, uh, alignment of technology and marketing and has been a great sounding board for certainly for me in the past um and uh, and for some of the stuff we do here talking about the alignment of marketing and technology so I, i'm hoping he continues that voice in this new role well let's make sure uh, let's send him a note i mean the have i mean if, if he gets a note from robert rose telling him to keep oh keep God. going he's oh, gonna please. do it <laughs> no, really, it must be raining there. Oh my God, it must be raining. There. Yeah, the roof already came off. I'm, I'm yeah. soaking wet, man. Oh, I'm about to dear. get fried here. You are soaking wet. All right, <laughs> moving on, moving on. We well, this is an article that made us both like go, huh? Um, so this comes from Forbes, which these days I got to say is making me go, huh, a lot. Um, the article is called "Why Content Marketing Fails." Um, written by, by a guy by the name of Greg Sattel, who I don't know. I think we've um, actually talked about a Greg Sattel article before. I'm almost positive. <laughs> so no, here, let's go we're again. We're about to talk again <laughs> about another one. Um, he seems to conclude in a very windy argument um, that basically brands need to think like publishers and that creating emotional con- connections with audiences is a good thing, so content marketing is great. But as he says, please don't call it content. Um, which is just weird to me. I mean, I don't, what did you think about this article? <laughs> he really doesn't like the word content. No, clearly. <laughs> so there's a couple things. He goes on a bit about beca- thinking and acting like a publisher, which right. we've, we've talked about forever, right? But I don't know if he's been a publisher. I should probably look at this because he says the first step – to becoming a successful publisher is to start treating creative work with the respect it deserves. And he talks about how most brands are, he says content is crap, and most brands are, are not treating it with respect, they're not looking at the creative process, all those, and he's, and he's right about a lot of those things, actually. But the, the thing is, he talks a little bit about, hey, we need to, brands need to stop uh, focusing so much on strategy and getting sales and whatnot, and they need to start thinking about this quality content thing. Well, I think I totally disagree with that. There's because, where, yeah, he went off the rails right there. Well, you and I both know that the majority of brands create content and don't have a strategy. That's the problem. Right. 
That's the problem right. is they don't have a strategy in the first place. Now, the second thing is, yes, do I believe that successful publishers really look at what they're doing creatively? Sure. But I don't know a publisher out there that doesn't think, how are we going to monetize this and grow the business? That's the first thing they're thinking about. Do we right. have a bit? They look at the business model. Do we have an effective business model? Can we actually do this? How do we build the audience? And then they look at a mission statement and they build a mission statement around this. It becomes an editorial mission statement. So I am really like, I don't think the guy knows what being a successful publisher means. And I don't think you can, uh, you can separate really good strategy with, with creativity when it comes to publishing or content marketing in general, because the one needs the other. That's so. right. Yeah, I think that's right. And 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 my challenge with it, he he lost me right at the beginning because he I he he mischaracterizes. I mean, I'm not sure why he decided that he had to go take on Bill Gates's uh, famous, very famous now, "Content is King" manifesto from. I mean, back in the late '90s uh, was when mid '90s was when this came out. Um, and he's, but he mischaracterizes it as basically missing, you know, it, really missing the point and. You know, so I went back and read uh, Gates's manifesto, and I just pulled. You know, remember this is written in 1995, 96, mm-hmm. um, where Bill Gates says content is king, and I'm quoting now from the manifesto: If people are expected to put up with turning on a computer to read a screen, they must be rewarded with deep and extremely up to date information that they can explore at will. They'll need to have audio and video. They'll need an opportunity for personal involvement that goes far beyond that offered through letters to the editor pages of print magazines. I mean, that's 1995, right? This is, you know, I mean, for being 1995, it's pretty prescient to me. And so I I think, you know, and and the whole thing basically is this, is, is really him saying why content is going to be the new way of expansion uh through the digital med- medium and and it will be what makes the digital medium what it is and i i i don't think he could have been more right so i it, this article lost it for me i just don't think it was very good advice well the one just a little side note because i just think it's interesting he says that gates basically lost the boat on the whole content thing now he didn't though he no did. i mean well here's the other thing this is the thing that i think about and i know that a lot of people don't think about this when they think about Microsoft, and they think about a lot of other things besides this. But really, Xbox has an opportunity to become a platform of choice. It already is. I mean, it. I'm, oh God, yeah, it, I mean, look, a, get I me mean, off on a yeah, rant here. Well, but, I mean, I would love to fail as as big a failure as Bill Gates is. I mean, but, you know, come on. No, you're exactly yeah. right. It's it's really it's PlayStation or Xbox for the most part now that is fighting this battle between them and Apple TV, and then you've got Amazon now coming in with their little thing that they just mentioned a couple months ago. So you've got. I mean, they're in the mix. They, right. A couple couple moves here, and they could be the you know the go to platform for all this content. So I'm just not sure where. You know what? Here's the here's the deal. I'd really like to miss the miss the boat like Gates did. Yeah, exactly. I, that's a, we that's should exactly all want right. to miss the boat. That's exactly like, right. That's like exactly Gates. right. Where oh I'm going to give gosh. up my billions well, to charity because I just have so much money that I. I, I, I need to go cure malaria. Uh, anyway, well, you know, before yeah, before we go on to the next news item, I actually I was at um, oh I was at Brain Traffic's event, Christina Halverson's event, Confab, and I asked Fantastic. this question. I'm gonna ask, great great conference. You did a great job, uh, and I it was during my presentation. I asked this question, and I'm gonna ask this to you. Okay. Do you for and this is specific to Forbes. Who does Forbes target? Who's Forbes audience? Well, right now, you know, right now. Who's Forbes audience right now? 
I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. You know I, what? I, and nobody else does. Right. And the reason why they're struggling and the reason why they're not going to get that sale at $400 million, because they don't have an audience. They target right. everybody. And, when, and this, is a really good, this is really good for anybody in content marketing brands that are trying to really focus on their audience. When you target everybody or multiple people, you target nobody. Yeah, and this is what Forbes is. At. And I'm just going to look at this article is a really good example. They have a huge contributor network, and of course they have this whole other side of the native advertising house. What are we? Twenty some minutes in, and we just mentioned native advertising. There it is. The Twenty seven minutes in. Ding ding ding, uh, ding, 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 ding. There you go. Uh, and and it's there's a, there's an issue because they talk about so much stuff, and yeah. I'm not sure about the editorial oversight about what gets accepted and what doesn't. But it's it's a problem, and that's why I mean, you had, you got this question the other day when we were at the, the LinkedIn um, masterclass in Toronto, where the the woman from the large technology company says, "Hey, we've got about 18 different audiences, and I've got one blog." Right. And she's like, "What should I do?" And I'm like, "How?" What you and I both said, "So how's right. that working for you?" Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, you know, it, it's it's something that I see big brands, especially that have a a large, uh, you know, a large product uh, suite, if you will, um, or portfolio, deal with, which is they have a number of personas that they're trying to deal with, and and a, a number of products that they're trying to drive success for, and so. You know what I always tell them is, look, th- there is there is an you know you need to understand that there's a, one a difference between audience and buyer, and that you can look for the commonalities across your buyers to find an audience that is cares about your brand, your approach. Because there's a reason you have all of these products. Theoretically, there's a reason that you have all these products. They match up to an approach uh, against a certain thing that you're trying to do for your for your consumers. Mm -hmm. So you can find a commonality there and get really niche about what it is you're driving into the, you know, uh, into that homemade, simple PNG is a great example of that, right? It straddles a number of female personalities, um, and personas, but it really drives one core value to one core set of an audience. It really has a very clear content mission. Having women say, yes, yeah, basically women to, that they can save time exactly. uh, doing things in the house so that they can spend more time with their family, That's which, is exactly actually right. the, which is actually the mission. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Yep. So, so you, can, you can definitely do it. Then the other thing is, is, yeah, like you said, your advice to this woman at the LinkedIn Masterclass was, you've got to pri- we've got to prioritize. You've got to prioritize. You've got to figure out which audience you're going after with that one blog and get focused on it because otherwise you're going to be targeting everyone and no one. Absolutely. Before we go on to the next uh, news article, I just have to, I found it out today. We haven't even talked about this. Uh, HomemadeSimple.com, which is, a, by the way, for everybody listening, it's been a gr- I've been using that example for a long, long time. It's been around for 10 years. They just rebranded. They're now under the P&G Everyday branding. They moved it. Wow. And I'm like, and exactly, this is so inside baseball, right? I'm like, I floored. I'm like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's P&G Everyday. And it's the same thing, but I'm like, and Homemade Simple is just, it looks like they may be going away from the Homemade Simple branding to P&G every day. Ugh. I don't know. I was like, I don't know if that's somebody the right lost decision. Somebody lost a battle in a conference room somewhere. I mean, that is just, well, anyway. Would you ever, just, do, like, would, would Ink Magazine ever do that? Would they ever just say, yeah, let's, uh, 
<laughs> Let's just, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I know we've had this uh, this brand and we've been you know building loyalty and subscription for the last eleven years, but you know what? I'm tired of it. That's, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's change. Let's change her up. <laughs> See, only brands think about that. Publishers would never think about oh, that because we always think crazy. about, oh, we've got equity in this and whatever. It's like, nah, yeah, let's just do it. Yeah, stick an ad on it. <laughs> yeah, just just put the sales guy's phone number on the front of it. That'll do it. Oh my gosh. Oh, my okay. God. Good one. All right. Moving on. Do we have anything Moving else? on. Do we have another one? We do have another. We do have another one. This one, this was at my actually my my favorite article of the week, um, just from a lesson standpoint. It's not. It's a very short article, um, and it comes from of all things bookbusinessmag.com. Um, a guy by the name of Joe Weicker. Do you, do you know who this I know person Joe. is? Just a, actually, you do know Joe. I, Great. I know Joe. I've been uh, when, uh, way back in the day when I started Jump to Forty Two. Like Joe was one of those bloggers, and we were talking about digital content together and. I've always respected his work. So when you sent me this, I'm like, Joe. No, that's nice because I really liked it. I mean, it has it has so little to do with content marketing at its surface, but I think it's got everything to do with content marketing if you sort of look a layer deeper. And basically the article is called uh, Applying Moneyball to Publishing. And he sort of goes, first of all, into what Moneyball is, basically using uh, statistics and numbers to really try and understand the game behind the game, you know. And so if you haven't seen the movie or read the book, it's it's that's that's really what it was. By the way, yeah, and he knows this uh moneyball the movie is great with brad pitt uh but moneyball the book is fantastic oh like, it's fantastic if you yeah, haven't it just, read it yeah you just and you don't even have to be a baseball fan just the way no, they go just, into yeah. data is wonderful so go ahead. it's I'm really sorry. great and it, well and and then the, the real key there is and this is where i think the real big lesson is at least it was for me was it's not just stats and data and numbers and stuff because as marketers we're overwhelmed with you know dat numbers and data and stats and stuff it's certain kinds of data and how it can be used in publishing so he uses the example and i don't even know anything about book publishing but he talks about how book publishers get all wrapped up in book scan data um but actually looking at things like numbers of website searches for particular titles or mentions on social media that can actually be a better and bigger indicator of what's going to be successful than some of the other the other data and i know this from my television background was which was we you know everybody focuses on nielsen ratings but these days there's a lot more interesting data to look at in terms of influence of a particular show you know you look at a show like girls on hbo or game of thrones or somebody that has huge cultural influence but not near the sort of Nielsen numbers that a broadcast TV show might have. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the lesson that I loved out of this was so great was I, I, it's something that I talk about a lot is challenging us to look at different numbers for the meaning as we try to figure out our content marketing. So it's not always sort of the things that are leaping out at us, website visits and, and SEO and all the things that we talked about today, but what can we start to really derive some meaning out of and start to apply kind of that money ball philosophy and figure out the data that actually does really truly mean insight you know into something meaningful well it's just like you and i've talked about it before web web traffic is a good one that everybody focuces on right even in our research right. everybody says oh web traffic traffic most important metric does web yep. traffic really tell the story and is it meaningful and where's that traffic i mean yeah. I, I guess the better right. question is to say are we looking at the right metrics for our objectives 
And I, I think that's, that's maybe right. a better way. And it might be just a fresh way. Everybody could just go back to it and say yes, because we, you know, you and I talk about what I want to know is what's the difference between our subscribers, those people that subscribe to our content on a regular basis, and those that don't. And I want to know what what metrics can help us tell that story, that difference. Like, what is that? Do they stay longer? Do they buy more? Do they, you know, what do they do that's different? That's, that's such that's an what important I wanna, point. That's what I want to know. Such an important point. That's when, I mean, this is, I wrote a post on this. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes. I wrote a post on Moneyball when it first came out, when the movie came out. And, uh, and I did it on that exact thing. And I even said, I think the subscriber, if there was a Moneyball number, it'd be this idea of the subscriber difference. But now we've got to do some digging and find out the actual difference. And the other thing is sometimes it takes like 12 to 18 months or more. Yeah. To yep. find that, but if we're not searching for it and we're just kind of backing off like they did in Moneyball where they said, look, we're looking at batting average. We want batting average and home runs and RBIs, but really the Moneyball stat is on base percentage. That's, you know, I don't care if you get a walk or a hit. You just got to right. get on base. Yeah. So they were looking at the wrong stat. So Interesting. Interesting. Yep. Well, speaking of getting on base, we have a new sponsor this week and i could not be more excited about this new sponsor it's just fantastic this is so wonderful uh to announce our new sponsor and our new sponsor is emma and you're familiar with emma right the email marketing company of course emma email marketing for the modern brand and if you haven't been to emma recently they've really they've got some new mobile templates there they've got social tools integration they've even got and they call it this concierge services and, there and, it is. And I'm really interested in to find out what the concierge services entail. So I'm going to head over to myemma.com and, 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 and check, <laughs> check those out. But, hey, we're not all about that. Myemma actually has a really good uh, – It's you know, I'm trying to figure out what it is. It's not an ebook. It's not a white paper. It's like a really cool graphical stat It's really thing. cool. It's and such I, a cool thing. Well, and then because uh, I'm trying to figure out where does this – it's not an infographic. I mean, maybe it no. is an infographic, but I'm trying Kinda, to figure – But it's maybe, deeper hey, than that. Yeah. Maybe Scott Brinker would call this a marketing app. I'm not sure <laughs> what this there is. There you go. But if you go Brilliant. to – so here's – got to go to bit.ly.com slash email dash PNR. So bit.ly.com slash email dash PNR. And what you'll get to is you'll get to a screen and they have 18 different email marketing stats on it, which all of them sort of blew my mind and, uh, and just really, really helpful information. And the way that I would use this is kind of go through this and then check it against what you're already doing. And there's a couple things in here that I read that I think, oh, we got to check this out. We got to do this. So I really thought it was a really good piece of content. It was a really so, great piece. Yeah, just a great piece. So bit.ly.com slash email dash PNR. And that's all lowercase. And just wanted to say, you know, big shout out to our uh, friends at Emma. They're sponsoring uh, as well at Content Marketing World this year. We're just so happy to have them on as partners. And, and Completely thanks for, excited. Uh, thanks for being on board. You got Thank it. Thank you, Emma. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, now it is time for our favorite part of the show, our rants and raves, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave and talk a little bit about what is either really bugging us or something we want to give a little love to. And I'm going to go first today. Um, and I have a, I have both a rave and a rant, and both of them are short, um, but I thought I'd balance things out today. My, my rave comes from Fast Company, um, and it's, the reason I, I'm raving about this is, is because 
it, you know, normally this might be a this old marketing example, but it, it, it's just it was a, it was something that really just made my heart sing, um, which was an article talking about Caterpillar, the big you know equipment company, mm-hmm. um, and how they have made a fundamental shift. Uh, in their strategy, their marketing strategy, using content. It is, I mean, they are, they are just basically coming out and going, you know what? Content marketing is important. And they talk about this really cool video that they've just done, you know, as part of their series here that they just released, I, I think, you know, a month or less ago, to Caterpillar Machines where they're playing a giant game of Jenga together. Um, they did another video where they're showing uh, the durability of their smartphone. Who knew they even made a smartphone? But they do. Wow. Um, this, t- this rugged smartphone made by Caterpillar where they actually have multi-terrain loaders rolling over the smartphone and doing stuff like that. I just It's just awesome, all this stuff. I mean, one, I'm a fanboy because I grew up with dump trucks and Caterpillar stuff as a kid. But I just, and two, we actually went out there and did a workshop for them, which was also fun. But it's just, just so fantastic to see them really thriving and and going on fast fast company there's caterpillar going on fast company talking about content marketing i mean you talk about a company being agile old company you know somebody would look at them and go wow they're that's not a fast company but yeah here they are they're doing something really market leading and just cool well seeing two big seeing two big cats uh play jenga it's you know that's such a that's that's quality content right there that is right there is quality (laughs) content my rant, really quickly here, comes from Search Engine Journal this week, and oh yeah, 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 yeah. This just this one made me sigh. I don't think I've times. seen this. Yeah, I want to hear no. about it. Let's do oh, it. Oh my goodness gracious! Well, it's from Search Engine Journal, and it's basically an article talking about content teaching content marketing at the university level. And so they basically interview this guy. His name is Bill Ballou, um, and they are, they're interviewing at some Search Engine SEJ event. So this guy comes on the video and he basically – and the interviewer asks him a question. He says, oh, you're teaching this content marketing class uh, in, uh, in university. What – you know, tell us about it. And he basically goes on to say, well, you know, here's what I did. I'm an SEO guy and so content marketing is, of course, my expertise. And so he says, I basically went to the university in San Jose here and said, I'm going to do a class on content marketing. And the university said – you have to call it marketing with social media. And he says, okay, great. That was my first sigh. And then they said, okay, and they gave him 70 students. And then according to him, this is him saying this, not me, 10 of them bailed because they saw it would be too much work. 10 of them were, in his words, too stupid to get it. 10 of them he had to throw out the door because they quote unquote cheated. So that left him with 40 students that actually he then took through his methodology of, and his methodology is basically hit the publish button often and at the end of the course, they were all getting between 4,000 and 7,000 visitors per month to some website that they had set up. And he is quoted as saying at the end of this, if you do nothing but hit the publish button, it'll work and people will show up. Now, to be fair, in the context, he then goes on to say, you know, you have to write for humans and do great stuff because it's going to be great. My challenge with this is that this is, this is what we're, this is what's happening not only with this university class, but so many university classes where content marketing is being equated to it's basically in the old days when they turned around the television cameras and filmed the radio shows and said look it's tv what what's happening at the university is not reflective of what's going on in the real world and it just it bugs me and so uh, it just it's something i just had to call out 
just looking at the bullet points here from the video. I did not listen to the video. I'm just looking at the bullet Do points. Do yourself a favor, don't. I just gave you the highlights. And it's yeah, just, I don't it's think after annoying. listening to that uh, <laughs> that wonderful Glowing rave, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if I'll go that direction. But, you know, we're running into this a lot, and that's why we got to keep doing our thing. And yeah. uh, keep talking about. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, it's incumbent. It's incumbent upon me to do something about it, right? You know, and I get that, right? So it's. Uh, I know that it's on me to actually, you know, help evangelize the proper way of doing this. But it's just, you know, you see that kind of stuff, and you just go, ah, that's annoying. Well, and then just the one thing that that kills you is, is that, and this happened what maybe nine months ago that everything SEO content just can't became yeah. content marketing. Overnight. That's right. All the That's content, right. all the SEO agencies now call themselves content marketing agencies. They're not doing anything different. They're just doing That's the same right. thing. And that, that's, you know, a little bothersome. But, you know, as a wise person once said, and you told me this the other day, you know, the more people that talk about content marketing, they start to do the research. They'll start to find the right way. It's just going to take us a while to get there. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. I have a very quick, I guess it's a rant. Because um, I'm not talking about Forbes right now. But the, the, the rant that I had is... I always ask the question, not always, but in this particular session, I was at a at an event in Boston, and I was doing my speech, and we were talking about setting a mission statement and for your content. And I, I asked everybody in the audience, I said, how many of you are doing some form of content marketing that you know of? And basically, the whole room raises their hand. I'm like, okay, great. I said, how many of you, for your content marketing, at least to one of the audiences, have an editorial mission statement or a content marketing mission that is basically uh, focused on what you're going to talk about on a regular basis. But an overall mission. Does anybody have one? Nobody has one. Right. And it. And I'm just, and you know I'm talking about this everywhere I can, but yeah. I'm just dumbfounded because... If you're a publisher, and we talked about publishing before, if you're a publisher, you get into publishing, one of the first things you do, if not the first thing you do, is let's go through our editorial mission statement, figure clearly out who our audience is, and, and we're going to put that on the wall, and that's going to drive everything we do. That's going to, just like if you were setting up a company, right? What's our mission? Yeah. What are we doing? Why are we in this in the first place? Why am I going to get up in the morning? You have to do that with your content marketing, too. We call it a content marketing mission statement. So the fact that the majority of people out there aren't being successful with their content marketing isn't surprising because most of them don't, don't have a strategy and none of them have a mission statement. So I just, I don't know what to do, man. I'm like, I guess I got to keep talking about it. Well, this, yeah, this is, I mean, this, this is the same, I mean, I'm going to give you the same advice that you just gave me. We got to, you know, it's on us, right? We, we, we are the ones that need to keep evangelizing this and just, you know, and keep going. I mean, this is, this is it. This is what we do. This is our life. But not our, <laughs> not our listeners. Our listeners are all going to have this. That's right. Everybody out there, everyone listen to this. If you do not have a mission statement for your content, you need to get one. Yeah, Work we're Sisyphus that. pushing that content marketing rock up the hill. <laughs> Come on, folks. Help us get that Let's rock up it. there. We do it together. <laughs> and we'll all go down together. All right. Oh, I'm going to see him in concert on Saturday. Are you really? Billy Joel? I am. I am. I take you know that I'm like one of the biggest see. Billy Joel fans I, in the world. I'm a huge fan, and my wife is when a should, bigger uh, fan than you, I guarantee What time it. are we leaving, and where should I be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will be exactly. there. Exactly. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right, it's time for the show of our namesake, uh, This Old Marketing. And this week we have a really interesting one. Joe has found one from the Poetry Foundation. Oh, uh, really quickly, but I, so I'm, I'm uh, at uh, 
Brain Traffics Conference, CONFAB, they did a lightning round, and one of the presenters were from the Poetry Foundation and kind of going through how they publish content. It was really, really fascinating to me. I wish she would have talked longer. But she mm. said, most people don't realize that we have one of the oldest publications in the United States. And I'm like, oh, and of course, I just perk up right away. Yeah. I'm like, hey, <laughs> we got an example here. It's basically called Poetry Magazine. It was founded in Chicago by Harriet Monroe in 1912. And basically it was this whole idea where they were going around getting the best poetry around and putting it into this publication. Of course, this is before the web. This was all in print. And the fact is, is that still over 100 years later, they still have Poetry Magazine going strong. And I didn't realize this, but she, and I guess as we could talk about it because she was doing the the presentation and showing her stats. Poetry, uh, let's see, it's poetryfoundation.org gets like, Three and a half to four million people to their site every month. Wow. I mean wow. that's amazing. That's good poetry right there. Yeah, that's well that's have... you know, I mean I mean that's that's something you could go to San Jose University and get yourself a MBA education on right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well that's, you know what I mean that's hey, impressive. But it's, that is truly impressive. It, it consistency over time and it takes a lot you know. But yeah. yes, and all that a bag of, you know, and they go to say, <laughs> you lost me, man. It's all good. Anyways, go check it out, poetryfoundation.org. We'll put it in the show notes, and I'll try to get an old image to put in there as well. But just fascinating, and I'll link to the About Poetry magazine page because it yeah. really goes into some detail about the, the challenges they went through. I mean, Ernest Hemingway was in, Allen Ginsberg is in it, Gertrude Stein was in it. I mean, some of the, you know, best wow. writers and poet, poets of all I'm gonna time. I'm going to go check that out. Oh, it was, it was just. Out. Fantastic. Warren, all, all, and well, here, you get this. In 2011, Poetry Magazine was awarded two awards, and one was for Best Podcast. So they've well, gone omni-channel. Go. Wow. So there you go. Fabulous. Where are you, you going to be next week? I mean, once you dry off and get out of the rain, where are you going to be? I'm in, uh, uh, Goth- is, it, is it Gothenburg? Gothenburg? Gothenburg, yeah. Gothenburg, Sweden. Sweden. Oh, good for you. I'll be You'll there. have to tell me how it is because I um, go in November. Well, t- t- tomorrow I leave for the Fortune Magazine Leadership Summit. That'll be in Orlando, so I'll be there for a couple days. And yeah. then in Sweden the next week. And then the next week I am, like, super excited for uh, Content Marketing World Executive Forum. It is going to be so great. Um, I am so looking forward to it. I mean, we're. I'm already just getting – I mean, I'm just starting the prep now uh, for, for what we're going to – some of the exercises we're going to do and all that. It's just – could not be looking forward to it more. And I, I, I'm going to give a little extra love to our sponsors because we were. It's a new event, and sometimes with a new event, you never know what you're going to get. But but both Marketo and IBM signed up as uh, sponsors for Executive Forum, so like truly excited about that. So because it's now just because now you and I don't have to room together. <laughs> and that right well, let's there all be thankful is, for that. Let's all be thankful for that. I think the audience is thankful for exactly. that. Exactly. And they're probably excited that we're done with this podcast, too. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's the, and then, in fact, let's just go ahead and sign off. That is it. I think you'll all be thankful for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose. Remember, if you'd like your question answered on the show, do tag us on Twitter at hashtag thisoldmarketing or send an email to thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. This was episode number 26. And if you like this episode, we do hope you'll consider subscribing, iTunes, Stitcher.com, all those links and the show notes available at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, folks, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Marketing.